Welcome to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. We are recording in the Red Sea Radio Studios in College Station, Texas. How are you people? Hope you're having a great day today. I sure am having a great day. It's been a busy couple of weeks, but a great couple of weeks. First announcement that I have before we even start the show is that the show is now airing on Cairo Radio in North Carolina. Come on and raise up. That's a, that, if you, if you, any of you get that reference, I will give you one high five the next time that I see you. Finished that song lyric, and I will immediately give you a high five. Or look at you confusingly, because some of you listen to this on the podcast three weeks later, and I will have no idea what you're talking about. Thanks for being here today. We've got a great show planned for you. Producer Sam is here today. Producer mm, Sam, hi. how you doing? Doing pretty good. Yeah, you're doing well? Um, yeah. Good weekend for the both of us. We both got to see this little movie. Ah, uh, yes. I don't know uh, if many of our, our uh, listeners have heard of it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's called Infinity War. Have you heard? Have, did you enjoy the movie? I mean, it was okay. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it to death. Um, since it just came out, in typical Forte Catholic fashion, in about three or four weeks, once uh, kind of the you know internet spoiler people have gone away, uh, we'll do a little spoiler cast and talk about the film. I'll go see it again, and this time I... Uh, won't just be sitting in the movie theater with my wife with all the emotions. I'll be, I'll be watching it and be like, okay, what are my thoughts on this movie? Uh, what's true, good, and beautiful in it? What isn't? Um, what, what lessons can I, can I take from this movie to be a better Catholic? Because we all know that's what I need, and that's what uh, Sam needs as well. It's true. Because if you were a good Catholic, you wouldn't hang out with me. Is that how that works? No, no. I'm just kidding. I'm friends with holy people. I, I, I place my, myself... Around holy people because of that, I was told in junior high that uh, you know, pick your five friends. You know that's your future. What's the saying? Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. I just surround myself. With I've good never people. heard of that. You've, you've never heard of that? That wasn't like a thing at pep rallies or like motivational talks at your school. I didn't have motivational talks. I guess. Show me your friends, Sam, and I'll show you your future. So essentially, what that is. Mm-hmm. Who are the five people, five friends closest to you? Like, not your mom and your dad. Like, five closest people in your life. Am I actually supposed to say that right now? Yes. Uh, Maka is one. She's okay. in. She's in the studio right now. Hey, Maka. She just raised Yellow her hand. Yellow Maka. <laughs> I don't know why she didn't talk on the mic. <laughs> she's on. Hi. There she is. <laughs> so that's who I'm going to look like. Okay. Hi. Hi. Good. Or does it sound like? Now I'm confused. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um... Uh, I guess Alyssa Trutter. I uh, talked to Emily Trutter. Oh, well, she's not Trutter anymore. She's Shimmick. I talked to her for an hour and a half today. Oh, nice. She's um, a good one. I like those Trutter sisters. They're good. Can they just be a two for one? <laughs> two for. Um. Okay. So that was that. I guess I hang out with Kyle a lot. He was here. Kyle was here. The pre-show he Patreon princess. Yes. You can hear him on patreon.com slash Forte Catholic. We just did a whole, essentially, he's an interesting fellow. Mm. Uh, he can only go by the pre-show Patreon princess. He's such a diva like that. He really is. So you can hear him. Uh, f- I think I'm drinking. Am I drinking your water, Mackenzie? I just drank half of that. 
<laughs> she just grabbed it from me like, hey, that's your water. My water's over here. <laughs> in the window. <laughs> in the window. I, we've, this window has played such a large role in the radio show. Taylor, get back on topic. Okay. Sam, get yes. back on topic. Uh, what was... We were talking about Kyle. I was talking. Right. That's right. It's my show. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Too much pressure. Too much pressure. That's another P word. Pressure from the pre-show Patreon princess. Oh. So you can find him on Patreon. We do a bunch of pre-show stuff. And uh, he comes and watches the show and he you know, pokes at me while I'm doing the show. He's an odd person. But uh, for example, for today's show... He and I talked through today's topics. Mm-hmm. I told him it was going to be a minute and a half, and he just rambles. So, uh, and we have witty banter back I and think forth. Both of you uh, ramble. I've never gone over time on a speaking engagement, and I've or a segment. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never not done either of those <laughs> things. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to hear the pre-show Patreon princesses' uh, thoughts on what we're talking about today, which is crazy stories from the book of Acts. I put out a Twitter poll on what you people wanted to hear. And by you people, I mean listeners of Forte Catholic. Uh, what did you, what did you wanted to hear from the most? That's what you said was crazy stories from the book of Acts. Your second one was ambition. So of course we're doing that next week because that's called a radio tease. And I want you to listen next week. So in uh, and, and the second segment, we're going to be talking with uh, a good buddy of mine. And then in the third segment, Sam and I are going to have a conversation about guilt and shame because she had a recent breakthrough in her spiritual direction. Very private conversation that we are now going to broadcast. Make it public to everyone in the world. On, uh, on uh, you know, Red Sea Radio here locally. Hello, world. Hello, world. Here's my Someone... heart, world. Uh, no, that's oh. that's heretical and in- incorrect. I was just changing. <laughs> it, was, it was like, uh, what do you do when you change the words to what, a song? What would you do for a Klondike bar? Okay, <laughs> so here's what we're doing. We're doing so good today. We, sh- we should actually talk about this. You didn't finish your list. Who's your fifth person? <laughs> the, I, I'm trying to do a show, and <laughs> don't you, don't blame know, me. you don't know the stupid thing that we learned as children. Um, well, I don't know who else I hang out with. Um, yeah, I got, I don't have very many friends. Okay, Sam has four friends. So show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You have a good future ahead of you. You have good friends. They're good people. They're not getting in trouble all that often. And that's kind of the idea that they tell small children. So this whole segment that has taken way too long, uh, all comes for the children listening in the car today. (laughs) If you want to have a good future, watch out who you hang out with and choose your friends wisely. Now, can we actually talk about what I plan to talk about? Yeah, because they're going to hang out with you and you're going to tell them the crazy things that happen in Acts and that's going to give them a better future now than they would have had before. Well, see, you couldn't come up with five people and I'm sitting right here. (laughs) 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 So you just told the kids that they could hang out with me. But you don't want to list me in your top five. We spend a ton of time together. Might be. I didn't think And I, about like, it. we're together at work. You're the producer of this radio show. We spend time outside of work. And none of that means anything to you. It means, it means something. I just have a terrible memory. You know what? You're not in my five either. <laughs> an eye for an eye, people. Eye for an eye. An eye for an eye. Okay, let's talk about this Bible, shall we? All right. 
All right, so here in this Easter season, Sam, this is your quiz. Pop quiz. I'm not ready. You're not ready. I did not prep you for this. I'm the first fail. reading all year, the first reading in Mass is from the Old Testament. Every time you go to Mass, the first reading is from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. During the Easter season, we have a little bit of a change. From Easter to Pentecost, mm-hmm. the first reading is from what book of the Bible? I'm going to say Acts because last week was Acts. Is that, what, is that what you're talking about? Okay. Yeah, you're correct. And if you listen to any of our conversations that we had before the show, you said you knew that I was going to say, hey, we're going to be talking about crazy shows from Axe. We literally talked about Axe with Kyle for 18 minutes, but you said you don't listen and I'm not one of your five. So I'm actually surprised <laughs> you got the answer correct. <laughs> uh, so two crazy stories that I want to share uh, with everyone but Sam today because she won't listen anyway. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip in Acts chapter 8. First of all, this is why I love the book of Acts. Because we, you're, you were sitting in Mass, this was like last week or two weeks ago, something like that. And you're sitting in Mass and you're like, oh yeah, that's fine, angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord spoke to someone and we're just sitting in Mass like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, this is amazing. Okay, so the angel said, get up and head down the road. Go on the desert route. So he got up and set out. Good children. That's a good thing to do. If the angel of the Lord ever speaks to you, you should probably do what it says. There was an Ethiopian eunuch. The children, ask your parents what that means because I'm not going to talk about it. A court official of the queen of the Ethiopians. He was in charge of her entire treasury, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, Jesus. I know you wrote this, but we're, we're going to speed this up a little bit. So the spirit of the Lord told Philip to go to this eunuch. And he saw that the eunuch was reading from Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? It's an odd first question to somebody. It's, it could come across as offensive. It's like I walk up to Sam. Do you understand the book you're reading? It's like, I don't know you. <laughs> I'm not in your five. Okay. So how, and then he says, how can I, unless someone instructs me? So then Philip instructs him, and he, he, he goes through the whole scripture that was read from Isaiah. Long story short, Philip explains the scriptures to him, explains who Jesus is, that Jesus is this prophet that was announced that was going to come. And the eunuch was like, okay, there's water. What's preventing, from preventing me from being baptized? And Philip said, well, we're on a chariot that's moving. Stop the chariot. That's literally the only thing stopping you from being baptized right now. So they both went down to the water and he baptized him. Now you may be saying like, okay, Taylor, like this story hasn't been so strange so far. I'm disappointed. You said it was going to be a strange story and it's a cool story, but what's weird about it? Well, the ending, here's how it ends. Philip and the eunuch both went down to the water and he baptized the eunuch. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but continued on his way rejoicing. So, I don't know if you're Harry Potter fans, like, Philip, Philip apparated. <laughs> like, he just disappeared from one place, showed up somewhere else. It says, Philip came to Azotus, which is another town, went about proclaiming the good news. So, I have so many questions about this. First of all, for Philip. Like, how long was he gone? <laughs> like, was he just there and then instantly in another town? Or was it like, 
when they apparate in Harry Potter and it takes a few seconds or a few minutes and they're like floating through space and time before they arrive somewhere else. How long between the process, no matter how long it took to get there, when he arrived at this new location, did he realize where he was immediately? Was he like, uh, where'd the unit go? Was he, am I dead? What was he thinking at this moment? And then also, how how long between the moment that he realized all that and the moment he began preaching? So was he just like, okay, I'm just going to preach now. Like, this is a bizarre story. Even more bizarre for the eunuch. We can assume from this story that this is one of the real first times that he's encountering a Christian. Because he's reading Isaiah, which is an Old Testament book. Could, you know, he could have known it from the, from the Jewish people. But doesn't understand it at all. Doesn't get it. This is the first time he's hearing about Jesus. He wants to be baptized. Here's my thought for him. He gets baptized, immediately sees the Christian disappear. His first question Oh, crap, am I going to disappear now? Like, where did he go? Like, he was a smart guy. He baptized me. Where is he? Also, secondarily, am I a superhero now? Because I was baptized, Philip was a Christian, he disappeared on a whim. Can I too now disappear? Like, how many minutes did he take trying to disappear and reappear somewhere else? I, I, have, I have so many questions. Here's my other question. How did he feel after this? Did he, I feel like he was disappointed from this moment on in the Christian life. I feel like he was like, okay, I want to disappear now, or I want other people to disappear. It's the only time it ever happened. He's like, oh man, I don't have superpowers. (laughs) What was he thinking? And of course, this is just Taylor's crazy take on it, because I'm sure that the eunuch, you know went on his his merry way and it said that he continued on rejoicing so he was still excited that he became christian but if it was me i'd, I'd be a little disappointed I'd be like oh man i like being baptized but the superpowers thing it looked like it was promised and it didn't happen <laughs> okay next crazy story and i i promise there's a point to all this doesn't seem like there is but there is saint stephen sam saint stephen is the saint that gives me hope that mm-hmm. I too can be a saint. When you think of me, I know you don't think friend, but <laughs> do you do you think future saint? Yes. No, no you don't. <laughs> You're lying to suck up. <laughs> <laughs> I already messed up once, okay? <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. I am not a future saint. What, what, other than you lying, what makes you say that I'd be a future saint? You're my mentor. You do good things. <laughs> You help the youth. You're just sucking up. Okay. You do this radio show. Lots of things. Yeah, that's the point. I do this radio show. (laughs) Anyone that's listened to the show for more than 18 seconds is like, what is wrong with this guy? Mackenzie, is this your water? This is my water. And you you prayed and got all that great content because Jesus was like giving you such a great gift because you were moving towards sainthood. Yeah, the point of that story is that I didn't for the previous month. You know, I, every every saint has a past, and and every sinner has a future. How do you know that saying? <laughs> but you don't know. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. I never heard of Jeez. it. Jeez Louise, <laughs> this segment is a mess, and it's all your fault. Don't blame me. <laughs> okay, Stephen gives me hope that I could be a saint, and I want to see if you can see why. Okay, 
Stephen said to the people, do you, okay, before we even start, mm-hmm. do you who is Stephen? Do you have any idea? He was the first martyr. I know that. He was the first martyr. I, does he have arrows? Did did arrows shoot him? No, 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 no. I, I just remember a saint picture with lots of arrows. Yes, there are lots of saints. There are multiple. <laughs> Stephen, you are right, though. He was the first martyr. Okay? Okay. Stephen said to the people, he, he's known as the first martyr. And mm-hmm. and the here here's how we're going to... Let's do the story backwards. Okay. The end of the story is the part that everybody remembers. The beautiful part. Uh, it says that, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. This is while they're trying to stone him and kick him out of the city and kill him. But they cried out in a loud voice, covered their ears, rushed upon him. And the witnesses laid down their cloaks and they were stoning him. And Saul was there. And he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord, don't hold this sin against him. And like, that's the very holy moment, right? But here's what led to all this. Stephen said, this is what led to him being stoned. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised and heart and ears, you always oppose the Holy Spirit. You are just like your ancestors. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They put to death those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You have received the law as transmitted by angels, but you did not observe it. And Sam, how did the how did the people listening feel about that? They were pretty upset. They were infuriated (laughs) is what the Holy Writ says, and they ground their teeth at him. I'm glad that's not a thing anymore. Four out of five dentists recommend not grinding your teeth. That gives me hope that I can be a saint. Saint Stephen can talk to people like that and still be a saint, and you can too. All right, guys, we'll be right back with a fantastic guest. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from Definitely Not Taylor. If you are listening to the show, you should totally rate it and subscribe to it on iTunes. To rate it, go to the iTunes Podcasts app on your phone, search for Tay Catholic, scroll down to Review, give five stars, write that you like the show, and then move on with your day. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I have great news, friends. I didn't tell you who today's guest was because they had a very important meeting and I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to get them tonight. But we did. Paul George is on the line. Not the guy that plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Someone even cooler, Paul George. <laughs> Catholic amazing man. That I, I could go on. You're a speaker, founder of this awesome ministry. You write books. You changed my life. Pretty cool stuff. A lot better than Paul George played in the playoffs last week. So, Paul, how are you doing this evening, sir? Good, man. Hey, no interview. You just keep going. Just keep going. It sounds great. I love it. He's good looking. He's very tall. <laughs> His biceps are larger than mine. He uh, somehow still Uh-oh. has hair in his old age. The, yeah, that's more impressive, I think, than anything, man. Great to hear from you. Thanks for having me on the show, man. Yeah, for sure. The, the first thing we do, you had this very important meeting. Why don't you tell us what that was about? 
Yeah, it was. It was one of those meetings where you just, uh, you know, it's once in a lifetime, actually. Uh, so it was a high school football meeting for my son. <laughs> it's like a parent information meeting where they basically get money from you. You fill out all the forms, get the physicals, buy T-shirts, you know, all the things. And then, uh, yeah, it's super important. And I had to be there. Because my wife didn't want to go, so she sent me. There you go. It's yeah, it's her fault that. So, so here's the Which deal. She really should have gone because it's all about information, and I can't remember anything. What was right? that? What'd you say? It's all about information, right? I wish my wife would go. So was, she could calendar it, everything. It, it was a joke that didn't pl- didn't play through the didn't play through the phone. It's all right. Uh, I was so I was saying that I forgot the information you just shared with me. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine, Paul. It's fine. That's just. Hysterical, man. <laughs> That's so bad. It's it is so bad. So yeah, uh, you are. Uh, what other compliments do I have for? I'm not good at complimenting None. people. So uh, I I have known you for for quite some time. You've known me for about three weeks. So <laughs> I, uh, you have been a speaker on the Steubenville circuit, and you've been speaking all throughout the country for many years. And one of those conferences was in uh, northern Louisiana in the summer of 2004. And if anybody's listened to the show for a while, knows that the summer of 2004 is the summer that my life changed. The summer where I was like, okay, Catholicism isn't completely boring. I like Jesus in the Eucharist. I like this Catholic church, and I'm going to do something about it. And there was a speaker there, a young strapping man. Back in the day, way back in the day, 2004, <laughs> young strapping man. Uh, his name was Paul George, and he was the keynote speaker and also gave this men's talk. Uh, is this ringing a bell for you? Yeah, my name was Paul George, and it still is. And it <laughs> does ring a bell, 2004. I mean, all the years blend together and all the conferences, but uh, yeah. But, I but you remember me vividly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember some kid crying on the ground, asking Jesus to save his life. Yeah, that, was that you? No, that I, I. You do remember that I was crying and laying on the ground, but it was because you wouldn't uh, give me your autograph. That's what it was. That's awesome, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I got to meet you. I was just out there in um in your neck of the woods, so it was a pleasure to finally meet you, and we hit it off. It was great. So yeah, you came in for our Blaze Ministries benefit dinner that happened a couple weeks ago. It was very successful. You did a great job. I've continued to get compliments from you. Um, when we get off the air, I'll share those compliments. Otherwise, this will just be a compliment fest. And uh, but, but hey, you know what? Back in 2004, you know what is also cool about that day? What's that? In 2004, you were the most popular Paul George in the world. <laughs> That's true. The basketball player wasn't even I don't even know if he was born. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was I, mean, I think he was born, but he was very small. Very small. So, yeah, I mean, now all of a sudden, you know, I gotta fight this popularity contest with an NBA basketball player who's taller than me, darker than me, handsomer than me, richer than me. He's got everything better than me. And here I am, Paul George. There you go. But he's not as special in my life because that that day you gave the talk. <laughs> The men's talk, and I signed this piece of paper that you no longer use, and now that I've told you the story a couple weeks ago, you said you're probably going to use it now, but it was like, I'm going to live as a man of God card, and I signed it, it's like, I'm going to live chastely, I'm going to live seeking after prayer, I'm going to live for God, I'm going to live following what the church says. I signed it, and I gave that to my wife when I proposed. So you had a role to play in my proposal to my wife. Um, Dude, that's so awesome, man. And I do remember handing out those cards at the conferences. And, 
you know, uh, for people to make a commitment to sign maybe a chastity or commitment card to virtue and whatever, to follow Christ. And, you know, as a speaker, you're there, uh, you don't get to know everyone. And you're just hoping that there is like a few kids in the crowd that when they sign that card, like they, they literally hold to that commitment, you know? So it's, it's great to hear that like, you're one of those that took it seriously because, uh, it's so important. Right. And I do think that teenagers then and now can make it, they have the ability to make a commitment to Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, enough about me. This isn't my show. Uh, let's talk about you. So, um, I know you very well, but why don't you introduce yourself to the folks? Who are you? What do you do? And why are you the second most popular Paul George in the world? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just, I'm really just a husband and father. I have five kids. My wife, Gretchen, and I've been married for 21 years. Um, on the side, I travel and speak and, uh, hold on. I, I have to speak. stop you right there. I have to stop you right there. Never yeah. say on the side, right after you talk about your wife. That's just really weird. On, on the side. Like she's, <laughs> my family's a full-time gig, man. Um, <laughs> so, uh, on the side, I, I, uh, I do all the other things, um, you know, that God's asking me to do. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of what I do. Yeah. So what, what are those things that you do on the side? Uh, well, I, I, I'm, I travel and speak, I give talks and, um, you know, do that thing. Like I was out with you guys, uh, doing the benefit dinner and gave a talk. I, I write, I do a radio show. I have a ministry called the art of living where I, I do, uh, consulting work for churches and dioceses, uh, as well as one-on-one coaching, uh, for people. That's what I do. You're, and you are very good at it. Yeah. We loved it. So here's, here's the thing. I do want to talk to you about the book. Um, but th- this even has something to do with the book, because on the book it says Paul George, founder of Adore Ministries. I grew up in the in the Houston area, south of Houston, um, right. g- growing up with uh, you know going to events there with the old Annie Hickman, and I thought yep. I thought he was the founder of Adore Ministries, but uh, then I hear that you are. So uh, let's set the record straight here. Well, uh, the record shall be straight. I was one of the founders with uh, Bishop Sam Jacobs, Father Mark Toops. Uh, in Homa, Louisiana, actually in 2004, uh, the year that you kind of had your conversion or reversion. Uh, so we founded Adore as a nonprofit uh, ecclesial outreach evangelization ministry in the Diocese of Homa. And I kind of grew and took off. Any Hickman came on board and ended up becoming sort of the vice president and started mission work in Houston. And we eventually moved the headquarters there, and then Ennie took over as president like in 2012, I think. And uh, so, yeah, um, he and I are good friends. And, and, uh, but, yeah, to set the record straight, there you go. So how did you let him p- push you out? Was it a hostile takeover? Like, what happened? <laughs> why, why, do I, why are you allowing me to think that Ennie's in charge, huh? Uh, well, Ennie's way too small to push me out anywhere. <laughs> Amen. That's what I Compa- wanted to get compared to. to me. Compared to me, I mean, but he is probably faster and quicker. But uh, he's not going to push me over. Um, yeah, no, it was just a great opportunity to kind of move our headquarters there, and Ennie was there, and I kind of transitioned doing other things. I sat on the board for a door, and it ended up being really great. Um, so. Uh, and he probably has been in charge a lot of uh, the times that you've known him. He did a great job with the door. So yeah, he's he's a good dude. So yeah, I I knew you as a speaker for a long time. I got started listening to your podcast maybe about a year ago, 
And I just got my hands on my first book of yours called Rethink Happiness. I was one of the first people to get it off the press. You you hadn't even seen them when you came to Bryan College Station. They were mailed to us. We saw your yeah, books no. before you saw them. Yeah, literally. The publisher called me and said, hey, um, they're ready. I said, I'm going to be in Bryan, Texas. Can you ship a box there? And they're like, sure. So we saw them at the same time, like the very first time I saw the book. Uh, outside of a you know an edited document back and forth with the editor, uh, that was it. And so you guys got the first dose of them at the at the event there. So I'm glad you got it, man. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about. It. It's called Rethink Happiness: Dare to Embrace God and Experience True Joy. So, what made you want to write this, man? Why this topic? Well, uh, there's a couple of reasons. One is I want to be happy. I don't know about you. Uh, and it, it's been sort of, uh, a real journey for me to find true peace and happiness, not only through my conversion, but even post conversion as a follower. And honestly, bro, I like, I've never met anyone who says, you know what, when I get big or when I grow up, I want to be miserable. Everyone wants to be happy. Um, and so it's really kind of defining and finding out what is true, authentic happiness. So that's part of it. Um, uh, and then the, the other part is the word rethink uh, comes from the Greek word in conversion, metanoia, which we've heard of, uh, but it translates to in the English word rethink. So as we begin to rethink life's questions, that's the starting point of conversion. And so the, the idea of the book came from a homily I read from Cardinal Ratzinger, who eventually became Pope Benedict, right? And he talked about this process of rethinking life. And it really just struck me. It was in the year 2000 that he wrote it. And that was the beginning point of me wrestling with this topic of rethinking happiness, rethinking life. Um, and I put some thoughts down and 18 years later, there it is in a book form. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. You started off, <laughs> you started off with, uh, in a very interesting way. Chapter one. We are all starving. What do you mean by that? Well, it's exactly what I mean. You know, blessed are they who hunger and thirst, for they will be satisfied. Like Jesus even knew that we're hungry and thirsty. And I think he's talking less about the physical and more about the spiritual. And, you know, Pope Benedict, just to continue to quote him here, uh, the greatest um, poverty in our world today is spiritual poverty. Uh, like we're so hungry for more. And so the first chapter really connects everyone, including myself and my own story, uh, to this, just the reality of this, that none of us can avoid the, the idea, the reality that we're all hungry and starving. And unless we're satisfied from the God who created us, we will continue to, uh, drink and eat from the things that don't satisfy us. Yeah, and that's that's you led perfectly right into my next question. It's like you've done this before or something. So, uh, you said like we all have this desire to be happy. We all have this this desire. This desire every time every person you've talked to wants it. But I think a lot of people look at the church, the Catholic Church in particular, and it's like, well, that's resisting my happiness. All these rules that are put on me, I can't do this, I can't do that. You know, getting drunk with my friends or going out and partying makes me happy, and the church says I can't do that. God says I can't do that. How do you respond to things like that? Well, I would say, does it really? I would say, is it momentary happiness or is it complete and total satisfaction? Right. And I talk about this a little bit in, in the book. I call it destination happiness. 
it's this idea that when I arrive at this point in my life, this destination, then I will be happy. You know, when I get married, or when I make more money, when I get this job, when I make these grades, uh, you know, when I get invited to this party. And then, and then we realize that those things happen and then it wears off. So then what? And so the reality is I continue to go back to what is it that really satisfies us, our greatest need, and our greatest desire, right? Yeah, I, I totally... Totally can relate to that. I'll finish a show on Netflix. I'm like, that was awesome. And immediately, like during the countdown where it's like, this is the next show you're going to watch. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> the happiness <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just felt for finishing this. Like, it even turns to sadness. It's like, oh, it's just over. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And the, you know, there's certain things that give us joy. I mean, the sun rises and I get happy and good weather and spring. And, you know, th- there are certain momentary things that are that are good for us and some that aren't. But what I'm really going after is just this this deep quench that we have uh in our life and and once once we really kind of come to that place in our life meeting god and journeying there then then our life we really do find peace and happiness you know it doesn't mean that suffering's gone it doesn't mean that our life is perfect it doesn't mean that that we don't have troubles it means in the midst of that that we know without a doubt that jesus is with us Perfect. So how can we, uh, one of your other chapters is called see with new lenses. So yeah. how can, what, how can we see this happiness? How can we rethink this happiness to see this authentic joy with new lenses? Yeah, well, we're all asking the question. And I think the difference between those who find authentic happiness and those who don't, because they're both asking the same questions is um, where are you getting the answers to those questions? And so when we begin to ask the questions and find the answers through the lenses of God's truth for us, his reality, that's when we begin to, to integrate uh, that into our life, you know, our identity, who we are as sons and daughters, the truth that God loves us, uh, the truth that things, certain things won't satisfy us. So we ask the questions, but we got to also find the answers in the right places, the, 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 the real meat uh, that satisfies us. So I would encourage people, like— you know, jump into your faith, get involved, you know, read, study, ask questions for people, get the answers. And just, uh, you know, rethinking life is the place where you begin your conversion or you continue your conversion. Amen. People are going to love this book, man. You can find it uh, on, uh, from, I saw it just a second ago, Ave Maria Press. Where else can they find the book, Paul? Uh, They can go to Amazon, type in you know, rethink happiness. It'll come up. You can type in Paul George and two people will come up a basketball player and me. <laughs> uh, you can go to my website, uh, paulgeorge.la or discover the art of a living.com. Uh, but yeah, to get the book, probably the easiest is to do one of those. Sweet deal, man. People go check it out. Paul is a great guy. Obviously I shared with you earlier, he's had a huge influence on my life and he can do the same for you. Paul, I have one final question for you just to have a little bit of fun here. I was reading yeah. the, uh, the like, what are they called when like other people compliment you on your book? The reviews from famous people? Yeah. A review or an endorsement. <laughs> endorsement. There you go. Uh, this is why yeah. I have you on to make me look smart. So you got Bob Schutz, author of Be Healed. You got Randy Rouse, president of Life Teen, Mark Hart and Life Teen, Father Dave Pavanka, uh, Bishop Sam mm-hmm. Jacobs, Leo Darrow. First of all, you have amazing friends. My question, though, how the heck yeah. do you know Super Bowl winning kicker of the New Orleans Saints, John Carney? Well, John's a good friend, and uh, he lived in New Orleans. I was in Homa. That's just right down the road. And um, 
I met John, I met his wife at a conference I was speaking at, and, and she connected us, and I did a few Bible studies for the saints, began to get to know John and his family. John's a practicing Catholic, his family's in the faith, and so uh, we sort of journeyed. He would connect me with some of the players to do some one-on-ones, and uh, anyway, just really cool experience, and when the book came out, John was willing to write an endorsement for it. That's fantastic. I brought you on just to compliment you and tell you how jealous I am of you and all of your cool things and all of your cool friends. You're awesome. Thanks a ton for coming on. Taylor, you're a rock star, man. Thanks so much. Let's do it again, bro. All right. Thanks for lying to make me feel good. We'll talk to you again soon. (laughs) All right, bro. God bless you. Bye. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is your male pattern baldness host, Taylor Schroll. Along with non-male pattern baldness producer, Sam Shepard. Sam, how are you? I'm good. Still good. Still good. So, the last couple weeks, we've had a ton of segments prepared beforehand. The last two weeks, you got to pick what we talked about. Do you like having that kind of power as producer of the show? Sure. Sure. Do you like how that has gone? I think it's gone pretty well, so sure. I think so too, but I think I'm awesome, so I'm a little biased. There's one segment on there that has been a suggestion mm-hmm. that you have avoided like the plague. Mm-hmm. And that suggestion is a topic that you actually brought to my attention mm-hmm. because you thought it was awesome from the privacy of your spiritual direction. Yes. And I thought it'd just be great for us to uh, put that out on the radio airwaves for people listening in their cars, uh, for people listening at their office desks, uh, for people listening on the podcast, for our peop- for the three people who have downloaded it in Russia, the one who has downloaded in Bangladesh. I want them all to know what you and your spiritual director talked about in private. Great. No pressure. The guy in Bangladesh is, is I mean, who am I to judge? It might be a woman. I don't, I don't know. The person in Bangladesh. That topic is what, Sam Shepard? Um, guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. So let's preface this a bit. Mm-hmm. I have talked multiple times on the show, and it's probably one of the more uh, requested talks that I give when I travel around and do the whole talking thing called Catholic Guilt Must Die. There was a movie. Do you remember the name of the movie? I can't remember. It's uh, Something Something Must Die. John Tucker. Oh, John Tucker Must John Die. John Tucker Must Die. Did you did you watch that movie? I did. It's not the best movie. It got a 27 <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Came out in 2006 when I was in... Depending on which part of 2006, I was either in 10th or 11th grade. I watched it then. It's about a man who is dating multiple women. Mm-hmm. They all find out. They get mad. And they decide that John Tucker must die. That's that's the, that, they don't kill him. But, but Spoiler alert. Well, I, I mean, it'd be weird <laughs> if I'm just like, they all did, got together and decided to murder him. And now Taylor's talking about that movie on a Catholic radio show. No, he, they didn't kill him. 
But they were like, you know, trying to get back at him for being a bad person. So I I, I took this Catholic guilt idea and this uh, 27 rotten or you know, scored rotten on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> movie and made a top title out of it. I don't think I've actually ever told anybody where I got that top title from. I definitely did not know. Yeah, it would be hard for you to know since this is the first time that I've said it out loud. So now all of you know that I watched John Tucker Must Die <laughs> as a sophomore high or a junior in college. If my friends would have known then, they would have tried to beat me up. So Catholic guilt. Everyone knows that I hate it because I feel like it, um, it is one of the more popular things about Catholics in media. It's like if you are Catholic in, a, in the media, you're probably Italian and you're probably feeling guilty about something and are avoiding God or avoiding church because you feel too guilty and too bad of a person. And I, I, I hate that because that's the God that we serve is not down with that, right? Like he, uh, he wants all the people to come to him. He gave us this thing called confession, reconciliation, to literally bring us back to him. So we're going to have to do some clarifying of terms mm-hmm. as we move forward because what you have is a, a, when you were talking about it, my the um, see, I, I'm not very manly. I'm trying to think of the the things in the car that move up and down. But I'm not smart enough. Somebody is currently yelling at the pistons, the pistons in the car, the pistons in my brain started going up and down and up and down and ramping up and going very, very quickly when you were talking. Because I was like, this is the same stuff that I've been saying, plus more. Sam's giving me more content, but there's a little bit of a definition of terms. So mm-hmm. why don't you just give us the, the introduction? to uh, this private conversation that you had with your (laughs) spiritual director about guilt and shame. Yeah. um, So I guess just to kind of clarify what, what these words kind of mean and where they come from, um, is there some sort of action or some sort of conflict or something that happens? Um, And at that point you kind of move in two different directions. Um, This is what this woman talked about on a Ted talk, but I can't remember her name. So whoever you are, Ted, her name is Ted, Ted, Tedda. That sounds like a better name because it's a girl. Tedda does not sound like a good name. <laughs> well, instead of Ted. Anyway, <laughs> so some sort of action, something happens, and you can move in two different directions from that. Um, so let's say, I don't know, it's something bad, like you punched your sibling in the uh, face. Someone killed John Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll do that. Someone killed John Tucker. Um, so that's the action. That's the thing that happened, and we can move in in two different directions. And she talks about we can either move towards guilt or we can move towards shame. Um, and in guilt, she talks about guilt is actually not a bad thing. It's what kind of helps us form our conscience to help us know what was right and what is wrong because we don't just stay in that guilt. It's supposed to move us towards conviction like we were talking about earlier. So um, it's supposed to make us ask for forgiveness or do the right thing, whatever whatever needs to happen, but moving from that moment into the light of the cross into salvation, into Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense because here's how I've kind of thought about it. And this is why we need some clarifying of terms. I've always thought as the negative word as guilt, this Catholic guilt, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you feel this Catholic guilt, like if, if I sin, if I, if I, uh, cuss you out, Sam, Mm -hmm. I, I, I can either move into shame where it's like, oh, I'm a bad person. I should have never done that. I can't believe that I did that. I'm like, I'm never going to approach you 
I'm going to feel like a bad person, so I'm not going to approach God. I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to kind of retreat into myself or mm-hmm. literally retreat from the <laughs> from the whole situation. Right. And I'm not going to do anything to improve that situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like that was guilt. But conviction is taking that that natural thing that we feel and saying, okay, I did something wrong. I, I feel convicted. I feel like I've done something wrong. I need to go apologize to Sam. Mm-hmm. And I need to go apologize to God in the confessional. Like right. I have done something wrong. I have used foul language. I have offended someone. I have spoken out of anger, like all of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And the conviction moves us towards, I want to be better. Mm-hmm. I want to be a better person. And I, I'm sorry for what for what I did and, and and what like you're saying, what this person from the TED talk and your spiritual director were talking about are using the, the s- different words to essentially say the same thing, right? right? To where guilt is she saying, is this, is this natural inclination from this action to want to do something about it? Right. Uh, and then the shame is kind of how I thought of the Catholic guilt. So it's the sim- same idea with just some, some um, different words, but as you and I were talking about it, I think we've kind of got another little caveat from kind of how I've thought about it before, right? So the shame, so somebody does, so somebody does an action. Mm-hmm. They do something wrong. What are they feeling when they move into the shame? They, they, the, the action happened, whether it was something that they did or something that was done to them, mm-hmm. they move into shame. How, how is that kind of person reacting? Yeah, it's it's a different in in verbiage or like in words. So like um, John Tucker must die. So if John, you know, I kill John Tucker, um, guilt is saying my action was wrong um, and I need to do something about that action uh, versus shame is saying I am wrong. And when you hit that point, there's nothing that we can do to fix identity. Like at that point, I'm not identifying as a child of God or as anything else, I'm identifying as a terrible person. Um, and that's a lot harder to like fix. You can't recreate yourself or something. Um, and that's when we start like wallowing in that shame and it becomes almost how we see everything is through, through that light now, because that's who I am. I am this terrible person. So everything I do is in reflection of that. It's almost like proof or (laughs) adding on to, Oh, well I already thought I was a bad person. Here's another reason why I'm a bad person. Yeah, so the same situation, the action, you killed John Tucker. If you're going to move from this guilt through this conviction and you're actually going to try to improve, what does that look like? Right, so if you're trying to go the other way, so you're trying to go through the guilt. So it's like, okay, I killed John Tucker. Um, So... That should give us a guilty conscience. Like, By the way, there's going to be some guy <laughs> named John Tucker. I'm so sorry, John gets, Tucker. Th- that gets murdered some somewhere in the world. And they're <laughs> going to use the clip of this radio show of Sam saying over and over and over again, I killed John Tucker and Sam's going to go to jail. Uh, I hope not. Please don't send me to jail. It's fine. Um, so the other side of that then is... Then you'll be convicted. <laughs> hey! Oh my goodness. Brutz. Um, he literally have sound effects. You are the person in charge of the sound effects. <laughs> I don't have that sound, I don't think. I haven't found that one. Anyway, we should find that sound. Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so saying like my action, like me using out of my anger or me getting revenge or me choosing that action, like that action was wrong. Um, and then we can start moving into those like two phases. So am I going to sit there and say, I'm wrong. I did this wrong thing. 
and almost like that that Catholic guilt almost back to shame. <laughs> like I am wrong. Or in that moment, are we going to move to, I need to do something about this. Um, I need to go confess my sins or I need to go ask for forgiveness, wh- whatever that is to rectify the situation. Yeah. And it's interesting because even as we were talking before the show, walking through this whole process, I was thinking, oh, what's an example from my life where I've experienced all of this? There's actually one example that I experienced literally all three of these things. The mm-hmm. shame that I was literally doing nothing, the Catholic guilt where I tried, but it didn't work. And then finally, the freedom because I felt the conviction did something about it, all, all this stuff, right? So I used to struggle with pornography like crazy. And uh, I, I got into this time of shame where it's like, like you, you were saying, like, not what I'm doing is bad. I am bad. I am dirty. I am ugly. Mm. Like, I don't deserve to be around church. I don't deserve to be in church. Why even pray? I'm already so far from God anyway because I'm doing this thing that is it's against God's will. Why even Why even try? Mm. What's the point, right? So all of that shame was pushing me even further and further from God. Like, my action st- was a step away from God. But then the shame just kept kept that ball rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling until it became this big, ugly monster, right? And then finally, I had this change of heart where I was like, okay, this guilt is getting to me. I need to do something about it. I need to fix this. But we've we've talked about pornography and addiction on the show with multiple guests over and over. And if anybody's ever struggled with it before, you know it's not just like, I am done with this addiction now. It is over. Like, there, one, you know, even with like smoking, one in like a billion people. Like I know one person in my life that has stopped smoking and literally just said, I'm not a smoker anymore. Never smoked again. Most people, it's not like that. Most people, it's like they do nicotine packs. They give it up and for, for nine years, they keep going back to it. And then finally, after nine years, they, they, get, they get over it, right? And I was like, okay, I know that this is bad. I know that I need to seek God out for this. I started going to confession. I started going back to church and, and, and going back into my prayer life. But then Catholic guilt crept in whenever I was trying and trying and trying and still couldn't get over this, this addiction. And, I, and it was this period of trying to get over it was so, took so long because I kept trying to do it on my own power, right? I'm going to fix this. I'm going to be strong enough. And I wasn't, right? It wasn't until I was like, okay, completely got, I am a child of God this is the reason that Jesus came to die for me because I'm weak and I'm going to mess up. And because he did that, I need to be thankful for that and actually live in that thankfulness by living for him. And over the course of many years, finally got to the point where this guilt moved into conviction, which moved into freedom, right? Mm. Went through this whole process and kept getting stuck and stuck and stuck along the way. So like with any, I, this makes total sense to me. What, what you and your spiritual director were talking about, because that action was there. Went to shame first. That didn't work. <laughs> That's not good. That's mm. leading me away from God. Even tried the guilt, tried to act on the guilt and do something about it, but got stuck in that Catholic guilt. And then finally was able to move forward to the conviction, right? And, and I know that I think you have examples as well about how, like you being... A youth minister, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is kind of what we were talking about. And not just this, but uh, I struggle with like feeling like I am enough um, in my job or as a friend or anything that I do. That That's just a really hard lie that I have to battle a lot. 
Um, and I see it a lot in my youth nights. <laughs> so if something doesn't go like quite the way I thought it was going to go or it didn't go over very well or something like that, um, the action that came out was like this youth night wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. And normally my first action or like moving is into shame. Like I am a bad youth minister. Like that's what that means. And it's like so difficult when you're sitting in those in those moments and then I just see everything through that lens. And and I know a lot of times we actually talked about this before the show. Um, you've had to tell me to take off take off my glasses sometimes to actually see You, you don't wear glasses. The truth. <laughs> I, I should not, wear not, glasses. I'm not talking about the real glasses. <laughs> I'm talking about your shame glasses. Yeah. So to be able to like take those off and see the truth of myself and the truth of the night and the truth of my youth. Um, and so instead of like okay, well, that part of my talk didn't go well. I'm going to fix that for next time. And it's done. Like an easy fix. Like that totally makes sense. Like easy fix, done. It will be better next time. I will be a better youth minister next time. It's just, I'm a terrible youth minister. I suck. What are, oh gosh, all these kids, what am I going to do? Like all of these terrible things. And it just cycles around and around and around and around instead of just seeing the truth of, of the matter. Right. Because the truth is that you're fantastic at your job and you're really good at it. But like, so the, the whole reason we talk about this is because I think the reason I talk about it all the time, the reason we brought it up, even with this new caveat that I really like, is that people struggle with this. We as Catholics struggle with this Catholic guilt thing, struggle with this shame. We get stuck there and it keeps us farther, farther away from God. So this week, what is it for you? As we've been talking, I don't even have to ask the question really, because as we've been talking, I'm pretty sure you've been thinking of something that is holding you back that you're struggling with, that you feel this Catholic guilt or you feel the shame about. How can you turn that into the conviction and move forward, get to confession, get back to God, and and how can you get that sin out of your life or get that way that you think about yourself out of your life? Well, this has been a good show. Sam, thank you so much. That was a great conversation that we had. Next week, we have a surprise guest who's going to be a co-host the the whole time. He has a special place in my heart. Uh, We didn't have enough time for Father Jared Cook today. We'll see you next week. Say it! Hey, it's Taylor. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. We had a blast. I hope you enjoyed it. For all things Forte Catholic, you can head on over to fortecatholic.com. You can find uh, past episodes of the show. You can find out how to book me for your next event. All that good stuff. fortecatholic.com. Peace.